hello, hello, and welcome to another episode where I'm continuing along our journey, deep diving into anxiety. Today, I'm continuing the talk about tics and anxiety and how we adults need to respond to help support kiddos who do have tics. This is all true for all of anxiety. In previous episodes, I've talked about some of the parent traps that parents get into and, and teachers and even other mental health professionals. And most of the time, I don't even need to see kiddos. I can simply change the adult responses. I've actually created two whole parent programs, one for mental health therapists to work effectively with parents, and then one for parents and learning the skills that they need to help their kiddos manage the anxiety effectively without getting sucked in that reverse hypnosis where we're getting sucked into anxiety with our children and doing that anxiety with them. So like I said, to help our kiddos be successful with anxiety, we need to look at the environment. And that's true with ticks as well. I've already talked about how we could be making anxiety worse, such as trying to reassure them. There's a lot of accommodations that could be problematic. And so even with ticks, we want to make sure that the adults in the child's life aren't responding in unhelpful ways in which they're doing anxiety or making it worse, right? And making the ticks worse. So first, of course, is trying to get your kids to just stop doing the ticks. You don't, you can't do it, right? I, I see parents who give everything from the subtlest shake of the head to actually grabbing their kids' hands to stop them. Bringing attention to the ticks, it's only going to make them bigger. See, obviously it's a big deal because we're making it attention. We're just giving it more power, right? The more attention we give it. So because we're giving it attention and we could also be reinforcing the story that this is bad, which just adds fuel to the fire. So now any reassuring that we do on the one hand to getting angry or frustrated on the other, it's only going to worsen them and likely increase our kiddos shame as well. And then the more they're trying to say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's going to happen, right? It's like our brain. It's got that ironic processing. As soon as it hears don't, oh, let's put all of our attention on it, right? So don't think of your left hand, whatever you do, don't think of your left hand, your brain is going to go to that left hand. And so the more they try not to think about it and not do it, it's actually going to stress them out more and contribute to more ticks. And guess what? That's exactly what anxiety wants. That's exactly, exactly what the ticks want. They want to talk about it, right? They want to draw attention to it. So what's the opposite? We ignore them. We pretend the ticks aren't even happening in the first place. They're not even bugging us at all, right? And so it's going to be important to get others on board too. Siblings can be big jerkazoids, right? So if siblings or classmates, if anyone's commenting or teasing or, or bringing any attention to them at all, we have to try to get them on board with the ignoring train, right? Once you create a plan to do the opposite, we can see if there's a place to have others encourage the competing response to what we're going to be doing. And so too, it's important for all adults to watch what they're saying in front of the kids, even if, you know, they're, they, they think their kiddos aren't quite an earshot. We really got to be careful. I, I see parents who maybe are apologizing to their kids. They're saying, sorry, pass this on. You know, they're feeling so guilty or anything that they have done to make their kids feel worse, right? That's only going to serve to worsen the ticks as well. And of course, parents are going to feel the guilt and the sadness and the frustration. That's totally normal. It's okay, but we just wanna make sure that we're not putting that on the kids and they're not hearing and seeing those big emotions around their ticks so that they're just feeling even worse about them, right? So that's, that's a huge piece. So we wanna make sure we're creating this environment um, we, so we might need to coach everyone around the child to remain calm, not make it a big deal, right? So sometimes they're getting parents to work together to stay calm, especially if it's super annoying sorts of ticks. And during COVID, I saw all sorts of problematic ticks, especially with licking stuff that can be a problem, right? But we got to make sure we're all getting on the same page to respond in really helpful ways. 
And sometimes having conversations with others like family members, grandparents, other parents even, or teachers, even if you're a mental health professional who's seeing a family, those emotional conversations really need to wait so we're not making the kiddos feel bad. So they're not hearing any big emotions around the ticks. Obviously, we want to talk about emotions of vulnerability, but this is not one of those things that we want to have big emotions around, right? Of course, they can be there when we're making a plan. It's just the negativity, right? It, all of those negative emotions and big emotions that get wrapped up that need to be addressed. I have a whole module in my anxiety compass that, I, that I've created on how to create the right environment to be an effective emotion coach. And that's exactly what needs to happen here with our kiddos, right? We're being encouraging. We are safe. We're supporting them you know, as they're learning to manage OCD or tics or whatever it is, we are there unconditionally. That's going to be a big, important piece of this, but we're not accommodating, right? And that's also including things like making tasks easier because that can be happen. That can happen sometimes. Or if we see things that can help reduce tics, we're going to, you know, try to do those things. It can be really problematic that we're doing that. So yes, some things might actually be a little bit harder when we're ticking, but we need to maintain the same expectations for kiddos. So we're not going to be accommodating those, whether or not they have the ticks. So maybe, maybe they just need to have more movement breaks from their work. That's fine if we're doing those things, but the expectation is still the same. Lots of physical activity. That's important anyway. Ticks and anxiety tend to get worse when kids don't have anything to do and when they get bored and when they're stressed, obviously, as well. But exercise can really help. Sleep really helps. I've already talked about the importance of sleep and anxiety and ticks definitely get worse when kiddos are tired and when they're angry and frustrated and they haven't had that physical outlet. So we also need to make sure that the adults in the child's life, they're setting very clear boundaries and being very firm with those boundaries as well. So while we might not be able to get kids to change their responses, we can 100% control our responses to stressors and things that our kiddos are doing. So we don't need to do what anxiety wants us to do. We still love our kids unconditionally, whether or not they're ticking, right? And we're not trying to be mean. We're not trying to torture them. But we can validate, oh, but I know it's so hard for you, right? I know this is so hard for you, especially if they're beating themselves up. Why do I tick? Why am I doing these things, right? And we got to let them know that our job is to make them stronger, not their anxiety stronger when we're looking at some of accommodation. So we're not going to let the anxiety and the ticks run our family anymore. So acknowledging how hard it is. And for OCD, for example, we're not trying to freak them out if we're not participating. And so now the ticks are increasing. We're not going to strip down the garage and change our clothes before we come into the house, right? Um, or really just acknowledging, oh man, that worry gremlin, it really wants you to believe that something's going to jump out of the toilet, but I'm not going to let that gremlin get stronger. So I'm not going to go into the bathroom and check everything and pour anti-toilet monster powder into the toilet for you. I, I, I'm not going to check under your bed or, or check your homework or call the teacher or whatever else it is that anxiety wants you to do, even if that means you're trying to suppress the ticks, right? So we got to be careful that we're not actually making anxiety. It doesn't matter if we're talking about ticks or anxiety. Any of those types of accommodations can be really problematic. So yes, the first time you try to implement these limits, it's going to lead to tantrums. It's going to lead to more ticks. It's going to lead to behavioral outbursts for sure. But kids are actually going to be relieved that you're doing this once you're consistent and you know, and you, and you realize that it don't matter how much they fight. You're not going to do what anxiety wants you to do. 
And like I said, it's really important that all the key players in the child's life are on, on board. I really have meetings regularly with the kiddo, with the family, with teachers to create a plan to make sure we're all on the same page. We're all using the same language, that we're all helping the child get stronger, not their anxiety, right? And it's not about the ticks, it's about the anxiety. And that we're going to do what anxiety wants us to do no more. And it's really easy when we look at OCD to get caught up in their rituals. So think about what, what are other people in the child's life doing that they wouldn't be doing if not for anxiety? Are people checking all the locks in the house, right? Are they checking for themselves? Are they modeling OCD behaviors? That's got to be the first priority that's got to get under control. So it might come out really subtly, like making kids wash their hands a second time because you don't think it was good enough. And I talked about this in previous episodes where one kiss goodbye can all of a sudden be 10 kisses goodbye, right? And, and perfectly placed on the cheek. Otherwise, we have to start the whole ritual to start again. And then that's a problem. Do kids need to get their own plate from the cabinet because they're worried that germs are going to get on it if somebody else grabs it? Do they need to wipe down their seat before they sit down? Are people giving lots of reassurance because reassurance becomes an OCD behavior? So too does needing to admit to things that they were thinking about, so sort of getting absolved for their sins, right? It's only when everyone else is doing what the child, you know, wants them to do, what anxiety wants them to do, when we can start changing those things, start to re refusing to do what anxiety wants us to do, refusing what the child's anxiety wants to do, then we have a real shot at managing it. They have a real shot at managing it, right? And they have to by then anyways, if we're going to start stop some of those accommodations. The only other thing say that I um, think that I should mention here is that it's hard work for them. So we need to make sure we're rewarding that brain for doing something different. So reinforcing is really important, right? Some kiddos benefit from simple praise for working so hard, acknowledging that this is really hard to manage this anxiety and the associated ticks that are coming with it. That's okay. Sometimes we need to sweeten the deal. A little bit, right? Some kids bonus screen time or going somewhere fun or just playing a game that they wouldn't normally get to play with. And as a surprise, that can be really helpful. So some things to think about when we're looking at how we can start changing some of our responses, it's all just a replay of everything that I've already talked about is, you know, looking at some of those parent traps, making sure that we're not accommodating, that can be really helpful. So thank you for joining me today and I will see you next time. Thank you.